Hello and welcome once again, finally perhaps, to the Litany of Saints podcast coming to you from the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph in Northwest Missouri. I'm your host Alex and I want to once again welcome you back. So previously I had kind of let this podcast die out. I didn't have much to add to the discussion. Uh, There were a lot better podcasts out there um, put out by people who had more time and energy, better equipment, um, more knowledge, more time to do research, um, more zeal than myself. And I, you know, I was like, there's, not much I can add to that, you know? There, I have nothing to contribute. So why, why flood the, the internet with several mediocre podcasts when there were plenty of great ones already out there? Uh, and I was content with that. I was content to accept that I was not yet ready for what I envisioned this podcast to be initially when I set out. However, times are a little different right now. And I think that there's an inspiration that's hit me that has prompted me to record this. And hopefully, um, throughout this time that we are stuck in this situation, I'll be putting out more content. So, the coronavirus disease of 2019, which we're calling COVID-19, has, as of the time of this recording, gotten all masses across the United States more or less uh, suspended. This means that for average people like you and me, you know, we're not going to church. You know, we're not receiving the sacraments, or at least we're not receiving the sacraments as easily as we were before. It's put some level of hardship on our uh, diocese and on the faithful. All in the interest of uh, public safety and uh, complying with government orders in certain cases. And what that left us is there's plenty of Catholics who don't know what to do. You know, we're... We're stuck at home. Uh, What does that mean? You know, there's people who believe that we don't have to do anything. Um, That that frees up our Sunday morning to do whatever we want, uh, which is wrong. Um, There are those who believe that it was wrong to shut down Mass and that we should, you know, expect more from our bishops. And I'm not going to go that far because I really don't know what the right play is here and I don't know if if I was a bishop what decision I would make and so I'm not I'm not here to to say one way or another what the right call was now there are certain circumstances where I am going to point the finger Um, the baptisms are being canceled or postponed that is completely wrong Baptism is necessary for salvation, and you don't need a large gathering of people for a baptism. 
so it makes no sense to cancel them and I understand that they want some big shindig for the Easter vigil where they want the baptisms to be but honestly at, at this situation you know if you're waiting to get baptized you know you're supposed to be baptized on the Easter vigil but the Easter vigil got uh, canceled or or whatever and they're like okay well we'll just postpone your baptism until whenever okay well that's extremely frustrating first of all for the convert that's not a good way to get introduced to Catholicism but it also like if they got hit by a car or something and they died now you know we know that uh, baptism by desire is a thing and all that but you know do they know that you know it puts them in a, an unnecessary state of fear I think um, and quite frankly like I said you don't need a large gathering of people for a baptism you need a bishop or a priest or even just a, a, a member of the faithful in certain emergencies anyone can do it you know and then the person being baptized and water that's that's what you need for a baptism you don't need an audience you know you could even be like okay I'm gonna baptize these two people this morning these two people you know you could break it up I mean it's not like you're doing anything else right now um, yeah so so breaking up or postponing baptisms I don't agree with uh, and so you know in instances like that I will be calling it out but as far as canceling mass goes or, or sorry suspending mass goes like I said I don't know what the right call is here so I'm not gonna play that game so what I hope to talk about the next few weeks and what's gonna basically be season two of the litany of saints podcast we're gonna be talking about what to do at home what can you do by yourself without a priest um, and I recommend right now to anybody that is listening go watch or listen to rather dr. Taylor Marshall's video on what to do under quarantine it's a or it's a podcast or a YouTube video depending on how you choose to listen to it and it's about it's just under two hours long there's a lot of good information there and it talks about um, how you can form your home life around this and what to do when there's no priest what Catholics have done throughout history when they didn't have access to a priest or to the mass and so we're going to talk about that a little bit as as time goes on but you should definitely just listen to that because I'm going to be drawing from that as well and it's just good information to have and I quite frankly would rather have you listen to it yourself than wait for a week or two for me to write my own version of some of the information and get it out to you just get the information now we'll go over it together later and so on that note we're gonna move on a little bit what am I gonna do well I've decided that on Sundays myself 
and some friends. We are going to uh, make Sunday a holy day by gathering together to pray a uh, 15-decade rosary, um, a chaplet of divine mercy, and a few other prayers as a group. And throughout this quarantine, we're going to support each other spiritually because right now we, we have access to confession where I'm at. Um, but I believe in Italy right now, you know, good luck getting any sacrament because uh, they're completely locked down there and they have a shortage of priests because the priests are getting infected, but also the government and the hospitals aren't letting the priests get to anybody anyway. So if we ever get to a situation where we're like in Italy and we don't have access to confession anymore, well, all of a sudden the game becomes quite different. Now we don't have confession. And that means that we have to be very, very careful in our lives. Uh, which we should be doing anyway. So it's a good practice. Um, but we're going we're gonna to keep each other spiritually accountable better than previously. Because, you know, I don't think this is going to get... They, they said everything by like April 5th. I don't see this going anywhere by April 5th. Um, especially when other countries continue to get worse and they've had this longer than we have and they've been handling it more strictly than we have so yeah I see this lasting a bit longer than they're saying which brings me to the next part of the podcast where I'm going to talk about a little bit about COVID-19 and where I think it falls in all this so I'm not a medical expert and I'm not going to tell you what coronavirus is or is not I will say that people are spreading all kinds of false information about it though like it's just a cold bro it's just a flu bro okay well I have a hard time believing that when several countries have entirely crippled their economies, including China, which is like the economic powerhouse of the world. You know, these people, they shut down their countries. All these companies are shutting completely down, losing untold amounts of money. And the stock market's going way down. I don't think people do that over just a, just a common cold. So don't listen to don't listen to anybody about this honestly. You do what you got to do to keep yourself safe and your family safe. Don't let anyone make fun of you for taking it seriously. Um and honestly at the same time most people don't know what they're talking about and that includes the people who are taking it seriously. It is something to take seriously. But most people don't understand what exactly they need to be taking serious. So, 
don't really get your advice from random people. And honestly, I wouldn't even trust the, uh, the CDC at this point. Like, the CDC's been telling us to prepare. True. But they haven't been testing like they should have. They are all over the place with news on a vaccine. The World Health Organization and them have been going back and forth on what exactly this is. No one knows what they're talking about. And if they do, they're not letting us know. So, just do what you gotta do to keep yourself safe. And just kind of don't worry about anyone else what they have to say. Because there's a lot of information and a lot of it's garbage. Now, my personal opinion on this matter, and I'm not passing this off as fact at all, but my personal opinion is that this virus is a wake-up call from God. Okay, and I'm going to sound like a raving lunatic here for a little bit, but bear with me, because I think, I think there's some reason to believe that. Now, we have a really rocky relationship with God in American society. Uh, you have Catholics who have really no idea what the faith is even about. You know, people who have a very uh, minute understanding of Catholicism, basic Catholic tenets like uh, uh, transubstantiation. That's lost on them. Um, people who don't think confession is necessary. People who don't understand why they need to show reverence to the Eucharist, if they even understand what the Eucharist is, which probably is the case that they don't, otherwise they would want to reverence it. Uh, and you have people who hold up these Freemason ideas that are not Catholic at all. Things that are uh, quote-unquote American values that we have somehow over the centuries convinced ourselves are godly and American values, right? And I'm talking things like freedom of religion. That's not, that's not the case. God doesn't will for there to be a million different churches competing for your attention in Congress and other places. God doesn't will separation of church and state do you think God's honestly pleased that, that he would elect a um, adulterous pagan random I'm not I'm just making up random people here but do you think God is honestly pleased by non-catholic rulers that impose non-Catholic laws onto their nation? Probably not. And do you think he's very thrilled that Catholics vote for that? No. And do you think God's even a fan of voting? I don't know. Uh, heaven's a monarchy. And in the Bible, every time... Every time the, uh, the Israelites made themselves, you know worth a darn, they were given a great king. A king. 
They didn't go voting for, I don't know, Benjamin to step up and lead them into the desert. They were presented a leader that was strong. His authority came from God, and he wasn't questioned. And, you know, I'm not sure how all this factors in. I got on a little bit of a tangent about monarchy. But where I'm getting out of here is that we as a American Catholics have fallen so low to the point where we're upholding ideas that Catholics 500 years ago were fighting to the death to prevent. And we're upholding them as some kind of moral good. You know, that's not probably not that pleasing to God. I'm going to go on a limb there and say that. Then you have you have the fact that we live in this uh, culture that we've created where divorce is something that just happens. You can just get divorced. If you don't like your marriage, just end it. Just throw it away. It's just a piece of paper. Marriage is just a piece of paper. And when we do that, when we did uh, reduce marriage to be just a piece of paper, what we're doing is, is we're saying that there is no sanctity in marriage. And Catholics should automatically reject that idea altogether. You know, it's not um, something that you can, well, you know, that's just your opinion. No, C Catholics should 100% be anti-divorce, period. You know, and they should hold the opinion that marriage is sacred. It's a sacrament for Catholics. If you don't think marriage is a sacrament, go be a Lutheran or a Baptist or whatever flavor of the week Protestant you want to be. But you're not Catholic. It's a very core part of our religion. Right? So we've got this society that doesn't value marriage, divorces everywhere. Well, when you, you break away the sanctity of marriage and you reduce it to just a piece of paper, well then why, if marriage isn't sacred, why shouldn't Bill and Steve get married? What's wrong with being homosexual and getting married? If, if, if it doesn't mean anything, why can't anyone do it? Why can't uh, me and my dog get married? I mean, <laughs> I love my dog, but come on. Why... What, what stops us from making the most insane things possible in regards to marriage when we stop upholding it as a sacrament and something sacred that needs to be honored unto death? The sky's really the limit with that. And so then, not only... Do you have no moral ground to be against any other kind of marriage or union or pact or blood oath or whatever you want? Hand tying ceremony. 
whatever. No long, now, not only are you no longer able to oppose that, because, after all, marriage is just a piece of paper. Can't anyone just have a piece of paper? But, now, good luck trying to tell your kids not to have sex before they're even adults. You have teenagers, sometimes 12-year-olds, getting pregnant. And it's not a case of being manipulated by adults. These are their classmates doing it. You know, you have these children fornicating at extremely young ages. It seems to be younger and younger every time you read about it. And why? Because why should I have to wait for marriage when marriage doesn't mean anything? It's just a thing that two people do. Right? You don't even have to love the other person anymore. You used to be, they used to justify it with, Oh, well, I really, love the, I really love my girlfriend. So, you know, we're basically like we're married. It's just a piece of paper. Now you don't have to love them. Now it's just, well, you know, we, we're attracted to each other. So, yeah, we did it. Okay, well, there's got to be consequences for that. So then when you make sex... Uh, forgive forgive the, the dirty three-letter word here. But when you make sex something that's um, that cheap and accessible and meaningless, then where do you go? And I, I think I've talked about this on a previous episode. I probably went on this tangent before, but I'm pretty strong opinion on this. Well, then where do you go? Contraception, right? You know, it's just a fun activity... So why should there be any consequences attached? I should be able to opt out of anything I don't like about this thing. And I don't want to be a parent. So, contraception. And then, what happens when contraception fails? What happens? Well, more often than not, it seems now, people are lining up to kill their child before it's even born. And I bet in 10 years from now, there'll be someone pushing to kill them after they're born too, if they're not already doing that. When you make marriage meaningless, you make sex meaningless, you make procreation meaningless, and you make it an inconvenient side effect of recreation. And it's taken us a while to get there, but here we are. Do you think God's very pleased with that? And then, the people who support all of this, many of them claim to be Catholic. And they walk right on up to the communion line and they get the body of Christ in their grubby little hands because they're too good to kneel too good to cross themselves even beforehand they get it in their grubby little hands and they shove it in their mouth and they walk back down to their pew and they just sit there as if they didn't just hear a 20 minute homily from whatever priest about anything related to the faith at all. 
And in many cases, that's true. In many cases, you have clerics that don't really say anything at all. They come up there for 15 minutes, if you're lucky, every week. And they talk about being a good person. God loves you. Okay. Well, both statements are true. But what makes someone good, Father? You're not going to hear anything from him about it. What... What does love mean? What does it mean that God loves me? How can I return that love? You're not going to hear that from him. Because he doesn't want to offend anybody. He's scared. More often than not, he's scared of those people, those fake Catholics that come up after spending all their week defending the rights of young mothers that kill their children. He's scared of them coming into the church and God forbid they are upset by what they hear. Because they're going to write to the bishop. And the bishop, the bishop doesn't know who these people are. He just knows that he gets a lot of complaints about this one priest. So he's going to move the priest out. And all the work that the priest is been doing at this parish was undone because the next priest they get some Jesuit from who knows where wearing ridiculous rainbow colored vestments as they speed through the liturgy at record pace and then that priest the goofy Jesuit liberal that replaces him now he's spreading fake Catholicism everywhere too because not only is he does he lack the the ability and the desire to stand up to the fake Catholics in his parish but he also is on the same side he agrees with them because Jesuits are a rotten stock more often than not I've met a handful of good ones I wouldn't dismiss all of them as bad, but generally when someone says, I'm a Jesuit, you kind of, we live in a time of plague, so wash your hands anyway. And so out of that, we have a rotten society. We have a church that isn't correcting it. And then in Rome... Back in October, we had the Amazon Synod. And there were pagan idols on the altars. And when you, when you look into the Bible, I mean, what's the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And in the Bible... Any time, any time, the Israelites bought into idolatry. Any time they set up a fake god before the true god, they were punished swiftly and harshly. God does not tolerate and cannot abide idolatry. And it will be punished. 
And some of you will say, well, that's the Old Testament God. The New Testament God doesn't do that anymore. They're the same person. It's the same God the whole time. And I don't know where you're thinking that God doesn't punish people. God doesn't have perfect justice. That's a very flawed image of God, my friend. God is has perfect love, but he also has perfect judgment. And we've really screwed up. We've screwed up in a way that I don't think we have ever screwed up before. And we're at a point now where only a very harsh correction is going to set us on the right course. And do I think that COVID-19 is that correction? I don't know. I think it might be part of it. I think maybe it's a beginning of a correction. But what's he done? He's taken away the sacraments from us. Why? Because we don't deserve it. We don't, we haven't proven ourselves capable of receiving the sacraments in a way that's pleasing to God. And he's removing them from us for a time to remind us how empty our lives are without it. And I foresee that this won't last forever. It might last longer than two weeks, like they're saying. But it'll, it'll eventually pass. And when it does, we'll all be better off for it. Because we, those of us who care, we're going to spend that whole time in quarantine praying. And improving our spiritual lives. Amending our behavior to live in a way that is more pleasing to God. And those of us who don't care... Well, they'll probably go to the first church that reopens while they wait. And then maybe, just maybe, if we pray hard enough, and if this drags on long enough, just maybe, those fake Catholics will become real Catholics. Because they'll reach an understanding. Or maybe, the Holy Spirit will work in them in a way that's very potent and powerful and will awaken something in them, a genuine love for God. Maybe. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm saying there's a good opportunity here for us to, to correct ourselves. This is a good opportunity for us to realize, man, what am I going to do if this is permanent? What am I going to do if, if there's no confession for six months, for a year, for two years? What am I going to do? This is a moment for us to prepare ourselves. Even if that situation never comes, we got to be ready. And I appreciate you staying with me on my rant because sometimes I feel like I go over the place, especially when I don't write a script. Um, and that's another thing with, with me returning to the podcast. I'm not going to write a script I'm going to have some ideas I want to talk about, and I'm just going to talk about them. I feel like writing a script, um, it just isn't really feasible or enjoyable for me. And I go off on tangents even when I do have a script. So 
I'm only going to record an episode when I have something to say, and then hopefully it, it'll fill out with me, without me having to go, um, um, all the time. And like I said, I know I've touched some of this before. I believe I've gone on my connection between divorce and abortion before. Um, but it's worth reiterating, especially now, because I'm convinced that that's why we don't have, that's why mass is being taken away from us, is because our own lack of faith and virtue as a society. And so I'm going to record another episode on Sunday after my time with my friends has concluded our prayers. And I'm going to break down for you what we did. And I hope to have all of you listening then. In the meantime, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, please check out Dr. Taylor Marshall's video on times of quarantine. You'll get a lot out of it. This is the Litany of Saints podcast. Thanks for listening.